This episode is brought to you by Southern Elegance Candle Company, where modern values meet Southern charm. Right now, check out their spring and summer collection with candle scents such as Celebration, Coastal Waters, and Farmer's Market. And our two personal favorites, Southern Sunshine, which fills the room with an amazing aroma of citrus and sugar, and Southern Nights, which is a blend of sandalwood and gooseberries. Be sure to visit secandlecode.com and use our promo code CRUX, that's C-R-U-X, for 15% off all regularly priced items. That's secandlecode.com, where they lovingly craft each scent and city combination to elicit a fond memory to whisk you to a place of pure joy. On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, we talk NBA. The playoffs are red hot. We're talking some NFL draft, big deal, no thing, and so much more. Let's go. Another all-new episode of Carolina Sports Talk starts now. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your main man, Big Cliff. As always, thank you for tuning in on your favorite podcast app. Next time, tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. You can check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk. Or to be a part of the show, hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff, at carolinasportstalk.net. You can always join us on the Facebook group as well, Carolina Sports Back Talks Back. It's a pleasure to be back with you guys yet again. On another new episode Wednesday, as always, we got to welcome in my main man and yours, DJ Highstar. What's good with it, bro? Good. What's good? What's good? What's good? What's good? Man, I can't call it, bro. How you been, man? Chilling, just making it, man. Uh, dealing with these lingering things going on from from everything back in March. But uh, I have a scheduled appointment on, on Thursday to have my my back adjusted and realigned and stuff. So a little nervous about that, but we'll see how it goes. I'll keep a uh, sports talk nation up to speed with all of that. Well, well, prayers up for you, man. Hoping for a healthy and speedy recovery and everything, man, with all this going on, man, my dog got to get that check. You know what I'm saying? But that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's a lot of, a whole lot of good basketball being played in the NBA, uh, sorry to say finals, but it's just still the playoffs. We're on the road to the finals, man. What you say we go ahead and get these people some, uh, some scores? Yeah, most definitely. Um, to your point, we here in the semifinals. We're starting off in the East uh, on Monday. Well, really, because we're in the East, the Eastern semifinals, I'll go ahead and start on Sunday, May 1st. But on Sunday, we had the Bucks and the Celtics play where the Bucks beat the Celtics 101-89 to go at 1-0 in that series. And the Warriors edged out the Grizzlies 117-116 to go at 1-0 in that series. On Monday night, May the 2nd, we actually had the Heat to beat the 76ers 106-92. Without Joel Embiid, it was uh, the Heat go up 1-0 in that series. And then the Suns took a 1-0 lead in their series against the Mavericks, where they beat the Mavericks 121 to 114, despite a 40-plus point performance by Luka Doncic. And currently, um, 
right now. We'll kind of keep you guys updated, but the Celtics are playing the Bucks. They're currently winning. Um, right now, it's close to halftime, about three minutes to go to half. They're up 51 to 33. Um, and the Warriors and Grizzlies play a little bit later on tonight at FedEx. So um, a couple of things going on um, with the Warriors game. Grizzlies game kind of wanted to start there on Sunday evening. You had a strange ejection that happened before the first half was over. Um, it was a questionable ejection or a questionable flagrant two that it was upgraded to. Um, you saw Draymond kind of foul the uh, Memphis Grizzlies big man. I forget his name. Um, and as as he's you know, it, it's a it's a playoff foul, and as he swipes at him to kind of push him down, he's also simultaneously pulling him up by his jersey or trying to kind of absor- absorb his fall uh, to to not make it such a a rough like landing for the guy. And the uh, the foul, while it was a rough foul, definitely it got upgraded to a flagrant too. It got Draymond kicked out of the game um, again. In the first half, it was in the, in the second quarter that it happened. Were you able to catch that? Yeah, most definitely. I, I watched it live. Okay. Um, <laughs> here's Draymond going to find a way to Draymond, ain't he? Listen, but here's the thing, bro. I don't even think that he was trying to hold him up, man. Like, when I watched it live, that's that was literally my sentiment. So I was on some, yo, man, he was trying to help him up. And then I watched the, the replay, and so I was like, yeah, nah, Draymond absolutely was trying to sling, buddy. And then when he realized, yo... I'm doing a little bit much right now. That's when the whole, oh, let me help him up came from. Right. That's why he wasn't surprised when it got upgraded to us too. That's why he wasn't arguing against it. That's why he did the whole jumping jacks thing, much to the chagrin of uh, your boy AI. Um, it, but he meant to do what he did, and he realized he got caught, and he also realizes he has his step, his team one step closer to being a game without him. His next uh, technical two, He's suspended for a game. And we all saw how that played out against the uh, Cavaliers in 2016. So I'm just saying he might want to bring it back a little bit. Uh, I did get a chance to watch it. I enjoyed it, though. It was a good it was a good matchup, um, even though the game yeah. got a lot closer with him out uh, out off the uh, court. Exactly that that part of it. I mean, and honestly, the I saw a great point by Kenny Smith and um, Charles tried to walk all over it. Shout out to Queens, first of all. But Charles. Chuck tried to walk all over his point, but he pretty much was saying with experience comes that, um, with experience comes that, that void of anxiety. Um, whenever things happen, whenever things get tight and the warriors definitely showed that, you know, when all right, Draymond's gone next man up, of course, Mm -hmm. but also, Draymond's gone. We've been in this situation before. Without Draymond, we know how to win with different lineups on the floor. Let's go ahead and play Warrior basketball, which is what they did. They they stayed in 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 uh in close distance of the Grizzlies the whole time. They never let the game get out of hand, regardless of the big time shots and stuff like that hit by the Grizzlies, and they end up coming away with the win. The end. To me, outside of the three-pointer made, what, close to like 30 seconds left, the, the, the actual end of the game was anticlimactic to me with a bunch of missed free throws and missed opportunities and stuff, the block shot by Steph. Um, 
but still playoff basketball at that. Um, you know, the way that the game ended and, and how the, the Warriors closed it out out there in Memphis's floor, what, what's your thoughts from that? Uh, it was, it, I agree with everything. Um, it was, with the exception of the game, end of the game, I did like, I liked the energy of the Warriors um, finishing strong, even with that block at the end by Steph, as you mentioned, um, or kind of the deflection or whatever you want to call it. But either way, it was missed. Ja went too strong. You could see it on his face when he when he left when he left the ball out of his hands. Uh, it was like kind of uh, too strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. either way, it was a good it, good round one met first. Excuse me, good um, game one matchup. And my hopes are that when Draymond is able to be Draymond, um, it doesn't get to the point where it jeopardizes him being on the court because this has the potential to be a really good matchup. Um, hopefully, well, would, we would get at least six games out of. Yeah. yeah I, I feel you, but at the same time, the the one thing that I kind of get from this series from the Warriors is we're going to act like we've been here before, you know. So whereas the Grizzlies played great against the Timberwolves and, and had an emotional series against the Timberwolves because Carl Anthony Thomas's dad and Ja's dad, you know, going back and forth and, and all of that stuff and the theatrics of that, but also the theatrics of having – a young Carl Anthony Towns talking trash along with Pat, of course, infused by Pat Beverly and his energy um, with both of them talking trash against Ja, Ja doing the gritty and then them, you know, countering by doing his dance whenever they won their close game. And, you know, like the Warriors is almost like that senior in basketball tryouts that knows like, all right, I'm going to make varsity. That's cool. And then, you know, the Grizzlies or the Timberwolves, I could see them as that sophomore, that talented sophomore or freshman that's, that's trying out and working out for varsity. That's probably going to make the team, but they're going to be souped and very excited that they make the team. Whereas, you know, again, the Warriors are, are even, their, even their young players have bought into their system to where, hey, we've been there before. We're going to act like we've been here before or whatnot, um, if that if that makes sense at all to you. Yeah, most definitely. Um, either way, I, I think th- I think the matchup is still good, even with that comp- yeah. competition, because both squads are highly talented. And, and although I do believe, like I said, that um, the, the Warriors are probably a little bit too much for Memphis this year, I'm still looking in it to enjoy the maturation of Ja. Um, as we look at the playoffs right. overall, uh, kind of another series that got started uh, a couple of nights ago that really puts me in a mindset similar to this one is the Boston series over in um, with Milwaukee. Now to just kind of steal or to pivot and kind of adjust your high school um, analogy. It felt like the, the Boston Celtics in their first round against the um, against the Nets were in a matchup in the first round where they, you know, they're the juggernaut. They came and they were big bullying. Like they played a JV team or something the first round. Even mm-hmm. though it was a JV team that, you know, has state title aspirations, they played what amounted to a JV team to then come over here and got the <laughs> the rookie team from the college leagues coming to play them. Exactly yeah. what they did to, uh, to the uh, Nets is what's happening to them with the Milwaukee Bucks. They just got out physical all the way around. It just seemed like Boston was going to be uh, a terror for matchups, but they've turned around in the size advantages and and the, the just the discipline and the bully ball that they played in that first round is really what's gotten done to them 
So I guess my, yeah. my question to you with that would be, uh, with the game twos coming up, who needs a game two win more? Is it the Boston Celtics or the Memphis Grizzlies? Well, and, and ultimately, um, it was Boston's first loss of the playoffs as well. So I, I think that's definitely important to point out. Um, so they, from the looks of things this evening, it looks like they're kind of adjusted to that first loss and kind of settled in to playing Boston basketball. But I think if we're talking about needs, I would say that Memphis needs it more um, just because of where the game's being played at. And if you go down 2-0 and have to go to Golden State, I don't think that that, that fares, fares too well. And see, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say Boston needs it more and for a couple of reasons. One, I honestly don't even feel like Memphis is going to win regardless. Like, if they win the game tonight, I still don't think they're going to come back and, and, and beat Golden State three more times afterwards. So either way, if they win tonight, it's, it's, they're, they're not going to win. The reason that I say that Boston needs this more, as I mentioned, they got out physical. Yes, their first loss, but it's just that, their first loss. They've, they've been riding on a high kind of – Almost believing the hype, drinking the juice. Oh, the Boston Celtics are the best game, best team ever. Blah 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 blah. When Milwaukee's like, yeah, we're the defending champs out here. So uh, all that stuff y'all talking about, how easy y'all had that first round. That's dead. That's gone. Even without Chris Middleton, we out here fitting to work on y'all. So like, honestly, I really feel like Boston. If they lose this game tonight, they're in jeopardy of getting swept by the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, mm. So I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I honestly feel with as I good mean, as they've looked, if they lose this game tonight and the series shifts back, they've got three days to then have to contemplate and realize and think about, yo, we lost two in a row. And yeah. then, yeah, nah, they, I, don't, yeah. I don't see that being good for them. Out of the semifinals right now, those are my favorite series out of the East and the West. Um, you know, of course, we got Phoenix and uh, Dallas going on, and then also the Philadelphia uh, series against the Heat. Um, but but those two, you know, series that we've been talking about have been my favorite. One uh, reason why, though, because the entertaining factor or the entertainment factor with the, uh, like, the Warriors already are going to be entertaining with their style of basketball and their brand of basketball. But with what job brings to the table, um, and this is a whole nother, it's not really a hot take, but we might have to create a... a an audio or sound bite for soapbox, but it's a whole nother soapbox for me to get on it for another episode. But once the NBA finds somebody that could dance a little bit or has a signature dance, they will ride that thing out. Won't they? It just reminds me of John wall and the Dougie. <laughs> like once they find somebody on them interviews and, and everything like that, whenever they're interviewing, they'll be like, yeah. So why don't you hit your signature dance for us? Like, and it's just cringy to me, but nevertheless, yeah. let the young men have fun and all of that. that that's, that's a whole other story. But bringing it up because job brings, again, that entertainment value of the kids having fun or the young man is having fun out there while he's hooping. Not to mention, you see his dad, the Usher doppelganger, out there all of the time. Um, Claflin University alumni. I'll say it one more time. Claff, Claflin University alumni, T. Morant. Um, out there are always showing love and I've started to see graphics. I know my stance on this and I wanted to kind of bring it up during the show, but I started to see graphics of uh, Timo Ren is becoming 
just as annoying as LeVar Ball was and this and that. And even back then with LeVar, mouthy and 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 just brash and country, yes. He definitely was. <laughs> yes. Let, let's, let's not glaze him. over that. He right. was absolutely country with it. To say he absolutely. was out there living in LA, he was just a good he old country boy. Country, yeah. <laughs> but I always supported the fact that he supported his sons the way that he did. Um, and the same with T. The way that T had, you could, has that visual love for his sons, let's keep it real. And not to serious it up for a moment, but we come from a generation when we were coming up in high school or, or whatever it was, um, either the generation like right before us or um, that was growing up in the 90s with, with children, um, they got a bad rep uh, as far as black men uh, for being, you know, present in their, in their children's lives and, and things like that. So I, I think it, it's, you know, always, I think it's always positive to see that type of stuff. I don't see anything bad that T has done outside of support his son. And I see the media beginning. It's starting to turn where they want to kind of villainize him or try to make him LeVar 2.0. Um, I, like I said, I know my answer to this, but have you, have you had too much T Morant uh, thus far, as far as playoffs or just in general? If I'm going to keep it a buck. And again, like you say, shout out to the Claflin night. You know what I mean? Uh, we know, yeah, we know who he is, what he's from, what he's about. Answer. Uh, <laughs> I can hear it coming. If I'm going to keep it a buck, you should go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I haven't had too much tea, but I just about had enough tea. Um, gotcha. Pause. Gotcha. Now, but like, I understand, again, I, I and bravo to the brother who he's been and what he's been in Jaws' life his entire life. It's not like a pull up last minute you know all oh, my son on the biggest stage and now i'm gonna come you know son now he is who he's been like literally at aau games hollering on the sidelines when he wasn't coaching that's who t has mm-hmm. been you know what i'm saying and so mm-hmm. i respect that however comma at some point it's like steph and steph and clay in their last game in game one couldn't leave the court because t was out there wrapping it up and chewing <laughs> after an interview both of them had already completed interviews and were walking back to the back. And he's like, hey, yo, hey, yo, stops Steph. And he's wrapping it up with Steph a taste. Clay is running back. Hey, yo, Clay, Clay, come here, Clay, Clay, wait, hold up, Clay. Whisper something in the Clay's ear, like to the point where he's putting his hand up so people in there, they laugh it off. And then they're walking off and he's, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, see, we get it. You know, Steph and Clay, you, you, you're from the country. We get it. Like, your son is out here doing his thing. You sitting next to uh not uh uh what's uh what's buddy yo Gotti yo Gotti you know yeah, with his teeth yeah um and so like we 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 get it you you here bro however <laughs> you good dog <laughs> like <laughs> it, it this takes- turned into way more of an entertaining topic than I expected <laughs> thank you thank you for being honest listen because I got to keep it a buck dog because again mm-hmm. when you get there and and, and it is individuals who you've watched on tv for a while like when we make it when i get to espn i know i'm probably gonna be like yo butch grass what's up bro da, 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 da. yo john what's up like i'm gonna be for the first you know what i mean week or two like yo i'm really here i done made it but after that it's like yeah no but i belong here so let me go ahead and you know what i mean cool like oh hey what's up lebron good to meet you man cliff mm-hmm. started off with carolina sports talk now i'm doing xyz but i'm getting ready to get this interview with you bro so let's talk for a second like right. like at some point you got to transition from, oh man, to the, yo. But again, again, that's why I said I've had just enough because 
it is who he's been consistently. He was like that with the yeah. refs when he would see referees that he knows. Shout out to um, Shanti Demery, another Claflin alum. When they would see each other at games, they kicking it like it was at the yard. So that's who he is. But let's 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 bring it back uh, a little bit just also, for the optics uh, of it. Just as a point of reference, also uh, T was also high school teammates with Ray Allen as mm-hmm. well. Um, so just to make that point, you know, he he played he he played uh, overseas, I believe, for just a brief moment and had professional aspirations, I believe, but then was um they were welcoming Jai into the world and he had uh, made those decisions to kind of stay local around Sumter and, and be a father but uh I think that like to your point he he definitely feels he's a part of that fraternity of hoopers and of like 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 again right now we're witnessing like the Gary Payton Juniors of the world mm-hmm. or Steph Curry who is of the world. balling shout out to oh, him yeah. bro absolutely Steph Curry's of the world of Clay Thompson and he's like you know, I know your dad, like, I don't know what he's saying in their ear, but yeah, tell your pops that I, you know, da, 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 to call me up or something. Like, I don't know. But one thing. <laughs> you know, I would drag your daddy, I, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. I, I do want, you know, I'm putting, the, putting it out there right now, but T, if you could do anything as far as maybe getting Money Bag Yo or, or Yo Gotti for a homecoming experience, we wouldn't, we wouldn't mind out there at Claflin. So, you know, just put it out there, T, big dog. And, and again, showing you some love that you get this extended segment right now because you're a Claflin. <laughs> Exclusively. Because you're, you're a Leal. Yeah, you're a Leal and loyal son. But the hilltop high. That, like, exactly. Um, like I said, I didn't want to overlook the 40-plus the performance by Luca. It wasn't enough yesterday um, against Phoenix. And then also, then w- who has Devin Booker back? Um, they're on, they on rolling on all cylinders. And then also that 76ers heat. Um, series with the situation going on with Joel and B. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? And then my last question to you, because I'm gonna let you just take it over and transition, is who do you see as MVP um, of the year? Even with the first time, first round exit for the regular season, I got to give it to Nikola Jokic. Um, he's he's an animal. He is effective on all sides both sides of the ball all sides like it's not two on both sides of the ball and he's just he's, he's a monster this year it was the year the bigs um and Jokic is the mvp for me um and regarding the phillies um the philly series i'm only watching it for the sideshow and we'll talk about it a little bit more in big deal no thing why i believe that this philly series really can help change well really not change but help affect the landscape with regards to coaching but uh, I'm watching it exclusively to see if Philly tanks and or if they are able to pull it out and, and, and squeak a win um, against Miami. So um, I'm interested in it. The playoffs overall have been just really dope. I've enjoyed it. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to some good basketball moving forward. Well, as we transition next up, we will go into the NFL. This past Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, the NFL had its 2022 uh version of the nfl draft where players go and get selected to their new teams and figure out where they're gonna be playing football for the next couple of years this year's draft like many others was a pretty exciting draft man um in round one we'll just give you the rundown of the top 10 and you know what might as well give you a little music then round one overall number one the jacksonville jaguars select trayvon walker defensive end out of georgia the detroit lions 
select Aiden Hutchinson, DN out of Michigan. Houston Texans with the third pick select Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback LSU. The Jets with my favorite pick of the draft, Ahmad Sauce Gardner at cornerback. Uh, the New York Giants with the number five pick select Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end out of Oregon. Your Carolina Panthers with the number six pick select Ikeem Iki Ukwonyu, uh, offensive tackle out of North Carolina State. Number seven, the Giants with their second top ten pick select Evan Neal, offensive tackle out of Alabama. Number eight, the Falcons select Drake London, wide receiver USC. Seattle Seahawks select Chris Cross, Charles Cross, who's different than Chris Cross from Mickey Jump, offensive Chris tackle Cross. Mississippi right. State. And with the top, with the number ten pick, the Jets with their second top ten pick select Garrett Wilson, wide receiver. Ohio State. Crisscross will make you jump, jump. Chris Cross, Charles Cross might make you do it as well. But, dog, of all of those that, uh, those top 10 picks, or really the whole draft, um, who were some of your winners and losers? Well, let's start with winners. Who were some of your winners in this year's draft? Um, I like, I like, I, I, and these is without um, draft grades unseen. Mm-hmm. For me, but I like Carolina. What Carolina did um, with with their with our picks, I like Philly. Um, mm-hmm. What they did with their picks and Baltimore as well. Um, so those kind of are my winners that 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 stand out for me. Okay, um, I I got to give I got to give props where <laughs> props are due. The New York Jets had. An amazing draft. Of course, they had three first round picks, um, right? Which you know is kind of hard to mess that up. But this year's draft was kind of weird for a lot of different reasons. With teams moving up, um, when we got around to the tenth pick, there was a whole bunch of draft day trades, which we'll talk about in just a second. But the Jets came off with three essentially top eleven players by many of the rankings ahead of times. Their first three, their three round draft picks were all three, not three in their positions, like the number one overall cornerback, number one quarterback. No, that their three draft picks that they got were three of the top overall players in this draft, and so they they were definitely a winner for me. Um, of course, I liked what we did with the Carolina Panthers, but I didn't realize how widespread how how widespread the respect was for the draft. CBS.com with their NFL writers. Um, got together and decided ranked the 32 top teams. Um, have you had a chance to see where the Carolina Panthers ranked with regards to the 2022 draft? No. I'll give you a hint. They're top two and they're not number two. CBS has ranked the Carolina Panthers as having the number one draft in this pick. I mean, uh, number one overall class in this draft. Um, as I mentioned, with the number six pick, we got Icky Okwanyu. In the third round, we traded up and got quarterback Matt Corral out of Old Miss. We got an amazingly talented and fast, I'm talking about fast, uh, linebacker out of Penn State, Brandon Smith. Another fast player, Amaru um, Barno out of Virginia Tech, who actually ran the fastest 40 time of all the defensive ends uh, in this particular draft. Cade Mills, who is a monster guard out of Tennessee, and then Kalen Barnes um, out of Baylor, man. Like, we got some really, really, really good and fast players. Um, And all of them were at positions of need. 
We got good value with where we were, even with the trading back for the third round pick. Matt Cora at that at that position is perfect. It gives us the chance to go ahead and let uh, let your boy come through. Like, oh my gosh, all through the draft, up and through the first and second rounds, it was really feeling real Baker Mayfieldish to me, and it was gonna break my heart. Much worse than that, it felt almost like we were gonna. Oh, I'm sorry. Trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but <laughs> when we when we traded back up, I knew we were going for a quarterback. And when we got Matt Corral, I, I was happy. Um, not sure if you guys are familiar with him, but Matt Corral, um, line, the, the lineman, the quarterback out of Ole Miss. Um, he had some off the field issues, which was what kind of made him slide. Much of the year, he was widely heralded as going to be a potential first round pick, maybe a second round pick. As a matter of fact, some draftees, I saw one report. Um, in their 2022, I went back and kind of did a little research uh, at the 2022 way too early picks. Like, you know, there are some who in the next couple of days will be dropping who they expect to be, you know, first rounders for the 2023 draft. And they listed many of them at Matt Corral as being a top 10 pick back then. And so he's got the capabilities. He may not have had this season that he anticipated, as we mentioned, I think last week. Um, and if we didn't mention, I know I talked about it with somebody, but he was the young man who got injured in Ole Miss's bowl game as well. And he was kind of like the figurehead of, and that's why these guys shouldn't come back and play in the bowl games. And I know we talked about it on the show, even if we didn't really kind of pay attention to who he was or what he would be, or even to know he would be our quarterback at that point. But he was one of the ones that was like that figurehead of why you shouldn't. And and it did cost him. But at the end of the day, it was an amazing steal and slide for us with the Carolina Panthers. So I'm excited about that. I'm glad to see we're getting a little bit of respect. But with this draft and with the free agent acquisitions that we've made, and even with the moves that I still think are to come, um, man, we'll put a pin in that, but I really think we're going to be okay and, and be in prime position to be successful this year. And Matt Rule's prove it year, and, and we know in this third year, that's his. That's what he's got to do this year. Um, along those lines, what were so who were some of your losers in this year's draft? Um, although they were anticipating uh, probably the the uh, loss in depth, I would say that the and this might surprise you, but the University of Georgia Bulldogs were <laughs> one of the biggest losers of the draft. Um. And if I mean, if I had to answer the question again with NFL Super late, but I had to do it. Sorry. Yeah, but definitely the the Georgia Bulldogs. But if I had to answer the question with NFL implications, uh, just because it wasn't as noisy as as you would expect it to be, or has it, or as it's been in the past, the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, in the, overall, with not a lot of breakout superstars in this draft it was this was a draft where it was like get in the war room and address your needs that you have and execute and i think that a lot of teams did that um so again that's my like to be honest with you and stuff like that once i saw the question on the outline the first thing that i thought about was the university of georgia and the bulldogs okay for me there are a couple of teams that really had me scratching my head um chief among them the new england patriots um like i realized that Billichek is who he is he he's the mastermind and he finds it scrapes these talents that allows him to get these players in the first round with the number 29 pick the new england patriots drafted offensive guard cole strange out of chattanooga division two school 
Um, I went and did some research on a young man, and apparently he's like that. He's a nice, he's he's a good player. But realistically, I don't think that there was a chance that he wouldn't have been there for them in the second round and perhaps even the third round with as many other highly drafted or draftable or ranked players. It was kind of like, huh? And then even what they continued to do, it was just like, what are y'all doing out here? Uh, I do want to give them a shout out to um, for drafting Kevin Harris, uh, the running back out of South Carolina, another Carolina guy getting on the squad. So shout out to him. But um, yeah, nah, there was there's a lot of players out there that they've been that they drafted. They was just like, yo, I don't know what they got going on, but Billichek apparently does. So let that man do him. Another loser for me are the Tennessee Titans. Um, first of all. Uh, one of the trades, as we talk about the trade draft day trades that happened, was wide receiver. The the Tennessee Titans traded their wide receiver AJ Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, basically, it was a, a cap thing. They couldn't. There was too much of a gap between him and the contract demands, and they were just like, "Yeah, so we're gonna get you up out of here and go ahead and draft mm-hmm. a replacement for you real quick." And although you know Traylon Burks looks like he could be a good player, it's like. You already had a good player, bro. Like, I I, uh, I don't understand the move. It was weird. And then it just seemed like they weren't really sure about what they wanted to do in in, in this draft. And so it'll be reflective when they get ready to come out and see how it works and how it helps. But, yeah. Um, Another one of my winners for me was the Phillies. Philly, and I mentioned it to Ashton. Shout out to Ashton on Facebook. But it really seems like Philly got somebody who wants to kind of win out there. Like they're saying, hey, we're going to push you as our guy. You got to be our guy. We're going to get you everything you need, but you better win. So shout out to the yeah. to the bruh backfield that they got back there. Well, excuse me. They got a bruh at the quarterback position and one also. They got one of my other favorite players. Um, they got a bruh back in the backfield at the quarterback and one in the middle linebacker position drafting the middle linebacker out of Georgia. So shout out to the bruhs out here in the league. Brothers up in Philly. We might go check on them real quick. Um, with the draft concluding, what are some of the more notable free agents that you're kind of keeping an eye on and looking to see where they land now that the draft is finished? Um, For me, I'm well, why, why, why you're gathering <laughs> those thoughts? For me, the Honey Badger is definitely one of the biggest ones to see that he's still not yet signed. We've seen that there are some reports that he's leaning towards New Orleans. Um, right, but I hope he doesn't go there because I don't want to have to face that dude twice a year. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Honey Badger is one. Jadavion Clowney, it would be amazing for that dude to come on home and quit playing, man. Come on, man, come on, Charlotte. JD, what's up, bro? Now I need to go around the corner to your mama house and be like, hey, tell the boy to come on home. He, he know he makes your cooking. Um, <laughs> one other one, and I'll leave yeah. some more for you. Uh, your boy Odell Beckham Jr., although we know he is recovering from an injury sustained in the Super Bowl, uh, he is actually still a free agent at this point as well. So um, anybody else other than the top three that I've already named? Exactly. I was going to say, when, whenever you before you said Odell, I was kind of holding on to him. But, um, yeah, I, uh, Julio Jones, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but Your definitely. man Gronk's still out there too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He, I mean... It's it like it's 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 a Gronk world and we're just living in it kind of. He does what he wants to do, so you know. But um, whenever you brought up when you when you bring up Ty- Tyron Matthew for about the past week because of the fodder and stuff going on in the news, I've associated him with uh, 
which is going to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe T.Y. Hilton will be a, is a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, it would be interesting to see him go wherever he's going to go. I've, fantasy-wise, I've always been a Jarvis Landry fan. Okay. But okay. Uh, the last couple years, i kind of gotten off of that train. Um, San Diego Chargers running back Melvin Ingram. Mm. Be kind of interesting. Uh, I'm sorry, I said uh, running back, but the Russia uh, out of South Carolina, know, the yeah. defensive end, right? It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, like you said, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, it'll be, you know, the Jadavion thing would be would be nice. Come, he's been Carolina. before he went to Houston and Cleveland. He should have had himself in here in, in Charlotte. But yeah, like I said, come on home. Last one I'm going to ask you about. Um, yes, or, this one can be a yes or no. Does Antonio Brown play a snap of football in 2022? Uh, with the Floyd Mayweather uh, ultimatum, yes. And for yes. those who may not have heard what that ultimatum is, you you want to you drop that little nugget? Or not I mean, so much ultimatum, he, but the, the guarantee that he made? Right. If, if, if you want to, you take the... Take the reins, brother, because, you know, it's the NFL. Floyd basically said that any team that signs um, Antonio Brown is getting guaranteed a productive player. And if anything happens where he is not able to finish out the season with that team, he will pay his salary for the year. So the team basically, and I don't know if a team would actually take him up on it. Would you, if you're an owner, would you take him up on it? Uh, Yeah, for one reason, I think it'll... If, if depend like, again, the, the type of person that I am and the type of owner I would be, I wouldn't mind the free press. So just <laughs> like what, what kind of press that would bring as far as the Floyd Mayweather trade and, and kind of labeling it that and everything. Um, and then if I, especially if I had somebody to get him the ball, cause that's just as important, I think. Right. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I, I would take that. You know who could get him the ball? Tom Brady. Matt Carroll? Oh. <laughs> Tom Brady can get him the ball. Um, new coach, new situation. I'm just saying. Don't be surprised if there's some type of mid to end season uh, reunion, if you would, down there in Tampa mm. with him and some of his favorite targets. But that is going to wrap us up for. Ah, no, it isn't. Real quick before we get wrap up with the NFL. Bruh. I got a hot take. It's hot. It's hot. Hot takes. So first of all, you know you. I can hear you every time. You you enjoy that part a lot, apparently, about it because you do that every time. <laughs> but the freaking best, but it's the freaking worst at the same time. All at the same time. It's just a miserable disaster, a beautiful disaster. So no, here's today's hot take. The real reason that the Carolina Panthers owner david tepper has severed his agreement with the city of rock hill does not rest exclusively on the city of rock hill bro i have done a little research and i'm dropping a hot take shell that i hope isn't true but i believe it may be the carolina panthers owner david tepper and the city of rock hill have colluded to allow themselves to both save upwards of $125 million 
and building costs. With the league, excuse me, with the industry and building industry under the inflation and home costs and just building costs overall at an all-time high, Mr. Tepper realized that it was not in his best interest to continue said development at this time. Some figures that I saw estimate that upwards up to $200 million can be saved by pushing back the deadlines only one year. Do you know when they are scheduled to resume talks on trying to come to with a new deal? It puts them on a timeline to be completed or to regain and restart in a year from now. I hope I'm wrong about this, but I don't believe I am. Why do you hope you're wrong? Because this could have some major implications with them defrauding the people and just really. I agree. Um, and again, unless somebody has just the tangible evidence to come out and say, hey, this is why they did this. I mean, it's it, it, it just aligns and it tracks with everything that he's been done, saying and doing at this point with the respect that he's going to have for the city and yield to comment. No, because he wants to to keep the step up for lip. Yeah, they didn't have the money, yeah. but he also saw an opportunity, a business opportunity. If he comes back and they say they're going to present that same thing with regards to the tax breaks. And he allows that to be the solution, then that is absolutely going to be the tell that to lets you know that this is actual reality, and he's exclusively doing it to save the building costs. Um, I, as a fan, I'm going to be pissed off because I had to wait an extra year and a half, two years, or whatever it's going to be for the result of it. But I, I understand again, hundreds of millions of dollars make a difference. Those are different types yeah. of decisions. Um, I'm excited whenever I can save fifty dollars on something. So this I is what imagine. I'm telling you. <laughs> but also. Um, you always have a whistleblower somewhere. And nowadays in 2022, it always seems like there's always like a recording, an mm-hmm. email, something. Something and that, somebody ready to leak. Yeah. Like, you know, when I was younger, these type of things would excite people like my father or my mother. And I would watch them watching the news and be like, what are y'all excited about this boring talk uh, this boring stuff you know when we were younger we heard about the ken star report or like you know different things like mm-hmm. that npr worthy news but say something comes out you know again a year from now after like they put together a big pr scandal worthy um scandal episode worthy situation and and start up the construction or the building again re resume it and then a whistleblower comes out bruh that would just you know that would be the biggest news to hit rock hill it would it yeah it would put us right up there with the washington corruptors i mean commanders um <laughs> as far as like you know what i mean like you said defrauding the public um manipulating things and then also the credit that I've been giving Tepper this whole time for just being an upstanding gentleman, it it would it would put him back in the uh, it would align the, with him and being an owner <laughs> exactly and being a shrewd businessman mm-hmm. and being where he's about the bottom line and and money you know is is what drives him type of deal or whatever like that which I still don't um, I still don't deny it. Or I still don't, you know, look past that. But I just, you know, I guess I, I guess I could see why you hope it's not true uh, or whatnot. But that is a 
It is a hot take, you know. The conversation so, that I had calendars. Listen, and 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 I'm absolutely. You guys, you heard it here first on Carolina Sports Talk, and this is Carolina Sports Talk. It's your main man, Big Cliff, sitting there with my dog, DJ High Star. Um, we're talking about NFL and the hot take that I just dropped on y'all. The conversation that I had today with an individual whom I, I'm not even, and I hate to be that guy, but at this point, it is they're my source. You feel me what I'm saying? And so, like, um, I just really hope it's not true, and I hope that there aren't others, and that this story doesn't start getting legs, because then it's going to be like, yo, that is true. That it, uh, So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it, yeah, that has the potential to get some legs on it and walk off. But before it does, it is time for Big Deal No Thing. That's a big deal. Nah, that ain't no thing. You know the game where you tell us, we tell you headlines and let you know whether it's a big deal or no thing. First up, the USA says Brittany Griner is being wrongfully detained and they will seek to negotiate her return. Big deal or no thing? A big deal. That's a big deal. I agree. That's a big deal. Why you say, bro? Um, I mean, we've been dealing with this saga. For long enough, um, February, and it's finally our country's um, our country is kind of acknowledging it. You know, as late as as they are publicly acknowledging it. Um, so yeah, I just think it's a big deal. It's time to bring her home, definitely. Um, and and more or less, if they can prove, you know, her being wrongfully detained, I wonder what kind of. Um, what kind of civil, you know, civil things or litigations that she, um, you know, where she may be entitled to some type of settlement for, for being over there too long, or if there's any kind of sanctions that would go on, any kind of, any kind of uh, consequences for this happening. And honestly, I don't know that there will be um, for a couple of different reasons. The U S was well aware of what it was going on when it first began back in February. Um, they weren't able to do anything or they chose not to do anything based on the climates culturally and politically with regards to Russia going to war with Ukraine or declaring war, even though much of the U.S. and the world have kind of really um, frowned their nose or, and or, you know, dispelled it or just said that they were wrong for it. Essentially, um, that option to to fight then was incredibly political. So although her guilt, whatever, it, wherever it lies, it was aided or the circumstances were mitigated basically with everything else that was going on with the war that's the only reason she hadn't been home yet and quite honestly the only reason that she's coming home or that they i can't even say that she's coming home the only reason that they are addressing it or even beginning to work towards a solution is because the wnba season is getting ready to get started why is that significant the commissioner of the wnba said that they each one of the teams throughout their league were going to honor britney Griner with her with her number and her initials on the court of every game every day until she was brought home they understood from looking at the bubble protests and the cultural climate during 2020 and 2021 and wanted to get ahead of that and to avoid another opportunity for any momentum or steam to be gained with that and so now they're trying to work to get her home to avoid all of the headache that to me is the singular reason that they are addressing it now. Now, is it aided and easier for them for them to make that decision based on the rest of the world agreeing with them on how Russia has been handling Ukraine? Absolutely. Has Russia really shot themselves in the foot, so to say, with their treatment of Ukraine and everything to make it feasible for the world to be like, yeah, y'all are trash. Y'all need to sit down anyway. And why y'all let it send that girl home? 
Absolutely. So it's a it's a it's a combination of things, but I believe that that is the catalyst. And their planned protests throughout this season were going to make noise. So for me, it is absolutely a big deal that social justice is happening based on and being affected by people. So shout out to the WNBA and all of their efforts to bring one of their own home. Next up on Big Deal No Thing, the Arizona Cardinals star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended six games for violating the NFL's policy on performance enhancing drugs. Big deal or no thing? Big deal. That's a big deal. I'm going out of the way. Nah, that ain't no thing. Why you say, bro? Um, just with the the um, organization as a whole right now, um, the things that they're going through with Kyler Murray, um, the last thing that they need is something else on their plate to deal with. Um, although, again, with DeAndre, shout out to D-Hop, but <laughs> hasn't really, really been mm. a game-changing factor or like a... Well, he was hurt much um, of last season, but before right. that, he was still was he was still like, not a right, right, and uh, so you know um, that that ultimately is my reason why okay. there's something else for the uh, the Cardinals to have to worry about. I say it's not a thing because I don't think that the Cardinals are in a winning position this year anyway. But on the flip side, yo, players get suspended like every day, b. Um, that, that six games thing, and especially in a 17 game season, it's significant, but and much like you said, with him being hurt last year, there was going to be an acclimation period anyway. So eh, it's not a big deal to me, uh, moving forward. And I alluded to this one earlier when we were talking NBA, but Mike D'Antoni is identified as a serious candidate as the Charlotte Hornets begin their interviews for the coaching vacancy. Big deal or no thing? I'm uh, still going big deal with That's this That's a one. big deal. Okay, you three for three. I'm joining you on this one. Big deal. That's a big deal. Why you say, bro? Um, Just with uh, Mike D'Antoni and what he brings to the table as far as his, his style mm-hmm. and his brand of basketball, I think. Um, what he did with uh, James Harden a few years back. It's kind of evidence where he can kind of uh, bring some purpose to the what, what LaMelo is doing on the floor, um, mm-hmm. bring some purpose to the club as a whole where you have your Miles Bridges um, being able to believe in, in a, t- a certain type of system. Terry Rozier, you know, of course, like I said, you're LaMelo. Um, and and these guys will, you know, again, try to change the landscape of Charlotte basketball. They've, they've already taken a step this past year, but I think with someone um, with that with that type of brand of basketball and with that uh, with with the history that Mike D'Antoni has, that it could bring kind of a difference to Charlotte. I say I agree, first of all, with everything that you said. I think his name is enough to make people sit up and say, hmm. Oh, okay. His 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 skills are what they are. He is an amazing coach. He's a again a name coach, and I think they could get some motivation moving in in the right way for the city of Charlotte and for the Hornets. Um, I also look at it as the big deal with with regards to what I was saying earlier. Doc Rivers' time seems to be on a clicking t- clock. Like he can hear it with each day that passes. Click, click, click it getting just a little bit louder 
with his tenure there in the city. He is being most honestly reasonably associated with blowing big leads and not winning the big games that he has to win. There's no secret that I mentioned it last week that, and you even alluded to it. Harden plays his best basketball when he's coached by Mike D'Antoni, whether it been in, uh, not so to say Phoenix, whether it been in Houston or in with the, um, I keep wanting to say Buffalo, but they are Brooklyn with the Brooklyn Nets. He plays his best with him, and so there are many, including the owner of the of the uh, Sixers, that want to give Harden what he wants and wants Dan Tony as his coach. So it's interesting to see if this is something that is putting a little bit of pressure on the 76ers to say, "Hey, I'm gonna go ahead and start talking to these other teams. If you're trying to make a move, you might want to bang bang make go ahead and bust that move, or if it's genuinely Michael Jordan, really, hey." Pull it up and saying, I'm ready to take this team to the next step. I'm ready for my team to be a true contender, not just a good, talented team, not just a high-flying athletic team, but a good, offensively sound team that can go and win a championship. So um, it, this this has ramifications that could really reverb through a couple of different teams and really shape what the East is going to look like for next year. So really big deal for me. Last up. The Carolina Hurricanes beat the Boston Brewers. I said the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Boston Bruins. I say the Carolina Hurricanes have beaten the Boston Bruins 5-1 to to take game one. Granted, it's just game one, but I hate Boston. Big deal or no thing? Uh, No thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. Wow. That's a big deal. (laughs) Why you say that's no thing, bro? Because I knew that it would warrant that type of response out of you, uh, first of all. (laughs) Always the antagonist. Yes, the consummate antagonist. But secondly, um, we we know how they perform in the postseason. Um, We saw your your guys haven't paid attention on your socials and stuff like that. We saw your updated logo, you know, modification and. And the switch up of the the remixed logo, <laughs> one of the many that you have in the tuck, of course. Shout hey, out to relax. Great marketing. <laughs> no, shout out to Great Marketing Solutions. Uh, I don't know, it's one of the many that you got in the tuck, but um, yeah, I. It's not. It's not. Uh, you know, the playoffs are the playoffs. Uh, game one is cool. Uh, you know, you got a couple other games to win. And uh, to take care of business, you know, so it's not a big thing, not a big deal. Here's why you're wrong. (laughs) Here's why you're wrong, bro. The energy that Carolina played with last night is only reflective to that of the 2006 season. Why is that significant? You significant, you ask. Is this deja vu? Did you not say this a couple of months ago? I said it through the season, yes, but this is playoff. Playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey. And honestly, for me, one of the things that I didn't see happening in the se- during the regular season that I saw last night, well, I saw it towards the end of the season, but um, Carolina's rookie, Seth Jarvis, is playing amazing. He looks like a leader. Like, first of all, he was just drafted two years ago. So um, I say two years, but 2021, that's almost two years ago. Good Lord. But uh, he was the 13th pick in 2021. And he's right now showing off. Last The game last night was on ESPN. It was a prime time. It was a sellout squad. Um, PNC was bumping. And he got out there and 
only extended his consecutive uh, games with point streak to 12. And as a matter of fact, in his last 12 outings, he's now got 12 points. The boy, he's, he's, he's looks really good. And like I said, just the energy that they're playing with the speed, they're like, everybody's flying to the puck. They're, They're playing good team hockey. And I'm excited, man. It it really feels like 2006. Like the regular season was one thing, but we've had good regular seasons and then come out flat in the postseason. And that's why I was kind of worried this year. But the energy that they had there shows that not only are we really ready to be here, but they're, they're primed for this moment. And so I'm excited about what it mean, what it means. And again, it's Boston. We beat Boston. There ain't nothing I like out of Boston. I don't like the Sox. I don't like the the Patriots. I don't like the Bruins. I don't like the, 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 the them boys. Like at the end of the day, for Carolina to be succeeding the way that we are against the Boston team just makes it ever that much more sweet for me. So shout out to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, you better take notice, take warning, because it's happening right before your eyes. Two thousand six, all over again. Let's get it. So that is going to wrap us up for big deal, no thing. Last up before we get out of here, nothing to do with sports, where we discuss winning time, rise of the Showtime Lakers, uh, show on on HBO and HBO Max, available wherever you get HBO and or HBO Max. See what I did there? Uh, we do want to warn you that there are spoilers coming uh, in our following synopsis, and this show is not rated PG-13 CST. Take it away, bro. Yeah, um, just to start off again, wanted to mention what I mentioned to you prior. Um, decided to go ahead and check out Magic's regular situation that he had on, or his version of everything that he had on Apple TV, uh, because of all the controversy going on, and oh, this this show is a fraud, and and everything that they've been talking about with Winning Time. And to be honest with you, bro, uh, it supports everything that Winning Time is saying. Like, it really does. Like, granted, some of these storylines and stuff like that are a little bit different, but it supports a lot that that uh, Winning Time does. And, um, yeah, so to get to it, uh, the everything opens up with Dr. Bus and Mama Bus uh, kind of kicking it and chilling. She's at the end of her road, if you will. Um, you know, kind of unbeknownst to Dr. Bus, he's the... He's the forever optimist with things and, um, you know, and it just, again, it, it is what it is with her illness. She can't, she can't really do much about it. She, it, it, you know, she is where she is. Um, but yeah, so you start off with that, but also at the same time with the choice that they have to make the decision that they have to make with regards to the playoffs, if they're going to go with Jack McKinney, or stay with their current coaching situation as far as Paul Westhead and Pat Riley. Um, they end up going with Pat Riley and Paul Westhead. Uh, and the decision is made after a trip that, um, well, first. first and foremost, you had Jack McKinney inside the forum. He's going mm-hmm. to lead the forum. Every time that they show the point of view from Jack McKinney and his glasses, things look blurry. Um, it's a sign almost that he, uh, is just, you know, not right and not better. Right. Um, things that, you know, so he, he loses kind of where he's at. He ends up asking the security guard, which kind of plays a pivotal role. He plays a pivotal role in the show, but he asks him kind of where's the exit and things like that. Um, after that, Jack, um, 
they, and he know, points out that the exit is literally standing right in front of him. Literally right there. Um, so things like that. Um, and then you had a scene where Jack McKinney is on the exercise bike at his home. His wife comes into the garage where he's exercising. Um, and she asks him what our address is. Uh, you know, he kind of looks to deflect and she tells him that she found a page out of the phone book in his pants. So another sign again, that he's, he's not back all the way that he, that, that, that he kind of proclaims to be and that he still, you know, needs some recovery time. Um, that turned into a big argument again with him and his wife. And you see kind of a lot of the stuff that she's going through as far as, you know, needing to keep everything together and stuff like that. I think that's one of the things in a, in this show that showcases back then in the eighties or the seventies, whatever it was, a lot of these women had to be very strong women and, um, unsung heroes in a lot of cases, you know, whether it was Pat Riley's wife, whether it was Jack McKinney's wife, um, you know, Jeannie bus, different things like cookie. So, um, so yeah, you had that whenever we get to the, the we get to the basketball court though, Gets some playoff action, uh, finally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they open up. I want to say did they play the Suns to start off with. I want to say, yeah, sure, let's go with that because <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember uh, yeah, either. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was the Suns, but took pretty much took care of them with easy work. Um, had to face the Supersonics next in the semifinals, um, who they mentioned that they lost to the year prior and beat them so they become the Western Conference champs. At the same time, they're looking at what's going on in the East. Everybody has their newspaper clippings and everything like that, and they're getting ready for the Celtics pretty much. And um, a serendipitous moment happens where, as we talked about last week, and it makes more sense now, the Sixers end up beating the Celtics, and they're going to be facing the Sixers In in the finals. Yeah. Um, now leading up to this stuff, um, one of the questions that I thought about for this week for you, Big Cliff was there's a scene where Jerry Buss, Dr. Jerry Buss visits Jack McKinney's home right after that argument, uh, that he had Jack McKinney had with his wife and they, um, and he's at the door and he goes, you know, delivery, he says it ironically or sarcastically. Delivery for, you know, Jack McKinney. He had a bottle bottle of wine. Champagne. Yeah. Right. Um, And Jack McKinney, in all seriousness, calls for his wife because he thinks that it's literally like a delivery man. And he's like, you know, come and sign for this. Come and sign for this. And you can see it in Jack's face at that point. Excuse me, in Jerry's face at that point that, oh, wow. Like, he don't know who I am. He's really right. Now, he saves face and he keeps it together until he gets kind of to the car and stuff like that. But, um, you know, at that point, the, the, the wine or the champagne that he had in his hand was indicative of the choice that, that I would say that he made. Um, and then again, he had to pivot more than likely to, to his next choice. So similar to last week when mm, we were discussing. That's what you got out of it? Um, somewhat as far as the, the coming to his house with the wine. Yeah, so you feel like to his house with the bottle. Yeah, you feel like that was like celebration. Hey, I'm picking you. I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Um, I think that they were going to like his intentions were come inside, sit down with them, 
converse regarding how postseason will look. And again, a somewhat of a celebration when she says, you know, I'll get some, the wife says, I'll get some glasses. He kind of, again, he makes that audible after seeing the state that Jack McKinney is in. And he's like, no, 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 that that's for you guys. That's for you all. You know what I mean? And then he goes to, you know, turn around. Hey, we'll talk about this later. Uh, we'll get everything kind of ironed out and resolved. I'll talk to you guys later. What were your thoughts on that scene as a whole? And then also, like I said, it, it, it led me to thinking about a similar question that you asked me last week with the, how should I put it, the executive mindset. Because, again, he had to, whether whether it was his first choice or not, he had to still go to Paul Westhead and Pat Riley and ask them for their about their commitment and what they um, were they pretty much ready to take the, you know, to take, take hold of, of everything with the Lakers for me I took it the other way I, I saw that wine bottle as a way to say thank you for all that you've done but I'm going in a different way I feel like he was going there to make the decision to fire him either, either way and for the fans there this wasn't something that was kind of clearly enumerated clearly um, but no I felt like he was going there to tell him no to say yo gotcha. I appreciate everything you've done you know uh, but I'm going in a different direction with the guys and so when he saw the state that he was in, he realized then at that point, yeah, it, I made the right decision, but it's it's going to be hard. So I just got to do it at this point. And that's when he realized he didn't want to tell, he didn't want to be the one to tell him, especially after that awkward situation. So that's why this in the next scene or the next scene with them, um, the assistant GM or one of the other office guys was the one telling him that he wasn't getting the team. And right. he went to them and was like, can you guys do this? And, right. and, and so to me, I, I really feel like his decision making. First of all, that's got to be hard to to make those kinds of decisions, especially knowing all that he had riding on it. But um, nah, I, I clearly it worked out for him. But <laughs> right, could but, you see a world where my narrative, um, you know, is is what it is as well, especially in a dramatic. Um, show like that or whatnot after what we went through last week with the manipulation of of Pat Riley and Spencer Haywood and stuff. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it, but I think what alluded to it for me was the go with your heart part with, um, because in this episode he did also lose his mother. Um, Right. There there was some, um, I guess, foreshadowing to Jeannie Buss becoming who and what she is for the team with an open position there. Um, and so they, they, there was just a bunch going on, but the comment that his mom made with regards to following your heart and then also him asking Jerry, hey, Jerry, what do you think? And he was like, well, I'll tell you what, you're a more successful businessman than me. What do you normally do? He said, listen to my heart. Well, there you go. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I could see gotcha. I could see the scenarios where, you know what I'm saying, is what you thought it was. But I think with everything else that was just kind of going on with it, that that just tracked a little bit more for me. But overall, man, I love the episode. This, again, I say it every week because I mean it every week. This show got to win some awards, bro. It's well written. It's well shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just it's a good good show. Absolutely. So to bring up uh, the the play on the court, um, you have uh, first and foremost, you have again Spencer Haywood is back on that Will Smith nemesis, if you will. He's on that Chris Rock. And hey, yo. I'm telling as as he's in the bathroom, 
going through his gym bag. He pulls out a rock, ends up dropping it, um, and he's looking around frantically for it. One of his white teammates comes in, and first and foremost, every time that they call for Spencer, he's kind of zoned out and zooted. Uh, so when when his teammate comes into the bathroom, he, he shows him, hey, man, I borrowed your tape and your, you know, your cutters, your scissors. And Spencer Haywood flips out pretty much. Uh, rightfully so if you're a junkie and you know that somebody's been going through your things, right? Right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so he flips out pretty much looking to fight the man. Team breaks it up. Kareem has a combo with him because he notices and, uh, you know, and pretty much lets him know, hey, man, you got to cut that out. If you want to be a part of this team and you want to, you know, take it to the get that ring and everything like that, you got to cut this stuff out. So they have that conversation. Um, like I said, the gameplay goes on the court. When you're talking about Magic and what he's going through in this episode, tries to really get back in touch with Cookie. Um, there's a quick scene of that, him, of him calling back home uh, to the school and telling, pretty much telling all of his business. It was an interesting part, but yeah, telling to the all of his business to Shorty, <laughs> like, yo, tell her that, you know, the girl's not having the baby. And I, I got proof it wasn't mine. mine. Yeah. Just, and the girl's answer is like, all right, well, I'll, I'll let her know that you call. You know what I'm saying? So that was, that was an interesting part for me, but. Magic's going through all of this stuff. Um, and like I said, they, they end up, as far as competition on the floor, that um, it culminates with them getting matched up with the Sixers for the finals. Um, at the end of it all, uh, you have the same security guard that helped out Jerry Buss, excuse me, not Jerry Buss, but Jack McKinney, uh, with finding the exit door, comes in to the locker room and, and asks you know, for Cap. And he's like, Cap, uh, I need you out here. They go to Spencer Haywood. He's on the ground and, uh, you know, clearly whatever. He's not withdrawn, but he's like, he's high or whatever is going on. You know what I mean? Um, that's where Kareem brings it up to the team. The team has conflicting thoughts about it. Uh, some of them think that they should kind of not, in, in lack of better words, coddle, uh, Spencer Haywood or, or like look after him as a teammate, as a good teammate. And Norm Nixon has one of my kind of favorite uh, takes on it, especially as a professional, as cold as it may sound, but he's like essentially says, Hey man, dude is weak and we don't need no weak people on this team. If we're trying to win a championship and uh, you know, he, listen, he did it to himself. He's selfish, all of that other stuff that he's talking is nonsense. He, you know, granted, you always want to have empathy for people, but at a certain point, you know, there's a harshness that you have to give certain people mm-hmm. of, of accountability. And I, I, I personally, I admired that with Norm. Um, so he says that um, they end up having a vote. <sighs> when Kareem goes back in to talk to Spencer Haywood, Spence gives him this big talk. You ever have like, you ever have those friends that you got to have like a rough conversation with about, you know, a hundred dollars or $200 that they owe you. They know that you come and to them about the money. So they just start this whole soliloquy about something totally random or different. You know, when I was coming up in Charleston, I, I, I started high school off there, but 
my mama told me one day that, son, one day you'll be a Claflin Panther. And I didn't know what she meant. By hey, yo, man, where my money at, bro? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, so Cap, he goes through this whole thing of listening to this, this long story from Spence. And he's like, yo, uh, at the end of it, Spence is like, um, of, of what these white people pretty much, they got, you know, the final say so on my career or whatever. And Cap kind of corrects him. When I say Cap, y'all, I mean Kareem Abu-Jabbar, of course. But he corrects him and says, yo, we did a team vote. You know what I mean? So he did, he says that with nothing, uh, nothing optimistic following it. Right. So Spencer Haywood kind of sees where it's going, but then doubles down to say, and I was the deciding. Right. Cause he was, was like, man, I appreciate, vote. I appreciate you trying cap. He was like, yeah, nah, but well, you're missing I me. I was the deciding vote. It was my, I chose, but he had already told him get clean or you're right. out of here. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do what I got to do to get you. And so cap told him what it was going to be. And yeah. he made a choice. It, 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 yeah. it was tough to see. And, um, interesting to see which direction they're going to take it with the cliffhanger at the end of the episode. Uh, did you want to talk about you that? Share, I was going to say, you want to share that? No, nah, I'll let you go ahead and get it off. Go ahead. I mean, he goes to his drug dealer's house. Ultimately. Um, I'm thinking that he's going to score and get, get even higher, which nevertheless he probably did. But, um, while I'm here, <laughs> he asked him, yeah, he asked him if he had a gun. The guy says, who do you want to kill? And he says, like, the L.A. Lakers. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, it ends like that. Like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna kill the whole team with this six-shooter. You right. know what I'm saying? It, it, so, yeah, uh, he was definitely hot. He was, he was definitely hot when he, went to his, when he went to his drug dealer's house. Now, let me ask but, you this. Um, now, again, the, the literary illusion of it. Do you think he physically meant the Lakers, or do you think he's going to kill one player who – would be essentially the heart of the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, I think for the drama of the show that he would be looking to, uh, <laughs> kill like one player and, you know, or, you know, I don't know. Who do you think know at this point? So you <laughs> Nixon or, or Kareem. And see my, my, my goal, my guess and my vote is Kareem. I think he's going to try to kill Kareem. No one, especially, that was his man's and then he was the deciding vote and all that. Yeah. Nah, either that or I mean, the coaches. I don't think it'll get that far, of course, but I think it adds on to, uh, the suspense of their season at that point that there was, there was sex, drugs and rock and roll and a murder mystery and everything else going on with the Lakers that you could think of. There was that, you know, so I, I, yeah, I think Kareem is the easy choice. Um, but I could see him trying to get like a collateral damage type of player, like catching Norm Nixon slipping or something. And then there's a struggle for a gun or the security stops him or something like that. We don't know which way this thing's going to go. Um, while we're at it though, and, and kind of asking questions um, with, with, uh, with regards to um, Jack McKinney, when is, all right, I don't know how to ask this any other way, bro. But when is homie gonna die? Hey, when is, yo, when is he gonna die, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's, not it's for a years to come, bro. In real life, really? Yeah, real life. He oh, went on. Okay. In real life, he went on to like uh, attempt to coach 
a, a couple other teams, but he was just never the okay. same. Yeah, he did. Okay. He did get a couple other jobs in real life, though. Look, shout out to that man. I didn't mean to catch him <laughs> early, but you try exactly really thought, doing like somebody grandma trying story, to kill folks off. I, I honestly thought the real life story was that um, that with that bike ride, or with that bike accident, that he met his demise with that bike accident, and that the show was dragging it out for like traumatic purposes or whatever like that. Nah, he actually did come back. He wasn't selected as the coach. He ended up signing, if I'm not mistaken, with Phoenix the very next year. Um, and and not being able to be as successful, he was like I said, never really the same afterwards. But uh, he just died like a few years ago. Nah. Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. I could. Matter of fact, while we look, I'm gonna look it up right now. As you let the folks know, uh, anything you want to tell them before we get out of here. Well, well, real quick. Um, 2018, you know, well, Jack McKinney died, bro. 2018, bro. 2018, bro. <laughs> Dang, September 25th. <laughs> Rest in peace, big man. That man said he had an iPhone. Get some personal respect on his name. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, uh, you said if, if I had it, uh, because I, I like, I like, of course, what Be Easy and them do with Snowfall and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, we won't do it as much. I think we may do it at the end of the season, and I'll kind of give you the, the plant the seed now so you'll be ready. But they do like a winner of the episode or winner of the season and losers of the season. Um, so kind of looking to, to do that as well, uh, with this series, but shout out to this series again, winning time and shout out to you, big bro, big cliff, two weeks in a row, no Laker talk. Feels good. Feels good. You know, (laughs) did you see Russell Westbrook at the Met Gala? And on that note, 267 turnovers later. This has been mm. another episode. I don't even know what my music is at this point, bro. I'm just I'm just I'm just over it at this point. This has been another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your main man, Big Cliff. Thank you for tuning in on your favorite podcast app. Next time, tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. You can hit us up on Facebook and Instagram and Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk or to be a part of the show hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line cliff at carolinasportstalk.net it's been real until next week peace